Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup. It is February 26, 2022, and we have survived almost two months of 2022, but there's a lot of things on our bingo card that we did not, or a lot of things that were not on our bingo card that we didn't actually expect to have to throw on there at the last minute. Besides that, of course, got a lot of news to talk about, starting, of course, with Sony finally showing us what the PlayStation VR 2 is actually going to be looking like. We will also be talking about the announcement of Street Fighter 6, as well as some things regarding its logo and some potential copycat issues. And we'll also be talking about Valve and potentially Game Pass, or at least their support for Game Pass on the Steam Deck sometime here in the near future. Again, it is February 26, 2022. We're going to roll our intro and get things started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of November 20th, 2020. It is Friday. It is, uh, where's my date? It's September 18th, 2020, here's our first story, and this is actually breaking news for all of us right now here, too. Figured this is a, kind of a big one to cover, of course, with who it is. Joined via Discord by Kyle because we're in the midst of a pandemic still, and of course, everything is all kinds of crazy. So this thing is a chocker. I mean... Yeah, it's a beast. It's huge. You're doing a... Um, that we had the Resident Evil stuff, that they were successful with Castlevania. Welcome to another NPC's weekly news roundup. And it's the news time. I am joined, of course, by Kyle via Discord. Kyle, hello. What's up, man? There we go. We are live. We are on the air. We are here to do stuff. We are doing the news. Welcome, everybody, to another NPC's weekly news roundup. It is obviously, of course... February 26, 2022, like I said there in the intro, and botched it up very well. We've made it through two <laughs> months of the year, and there's a lot of things going on right now that we're not, there I said it properly, that we're not on our bingo cards for this year. So, of course, without mentioning anything at this point in time, uh, let's just carry out. Of course, I'm Travis, and as always, via Discord, uh, joined by Kyle from his bedroom. Hi, Kyle. Hello. Reporting live What's from up? the bedroom down the hallway, it's Kyle. Hello. <laughs> ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a it's been a day it's been a week it's been it's, it's been, been a, a week it has been a week personally and in the world of everything else going on it has been a week but you're not here our fellow uh our fellow listeners our fellow watchers our fellow people on the youtube you're not here to listen to our woes and our frustrations and our angers and our exhaustion you are here to hear about our take on the video game news for this week so guess what we're gonna do we're going to kick it right off with the first story of the day. We're going to be talking about Valve wants to help with Game Pass on Steam Deck. So back when the Steam Deck was in the midst of its original testing, when they brought up a lot of influencers, a lot of people who were there to um, test out the different thing and or test out all the different things with it and show things off, at least from an initial standpoint, uh, one of the people who happened to be included with that was none other than head of Xbox, Phil Spencer. And this was back in August, and he was able to play around with it. He actually was able to play games via xCloud on the Steam Deck and was able to take advantage of uh, playing things like Halo and I think even Civilization as well through xCloud, which in and of itself is actually pretty sweet, especially for something that is dedicated for gaming compared to your phone. Well, in an article posted today, by Video Games Chronicle. Um, apparently in an interview with PC Gamer, uh, Valve CEO Gabe Newell uh, said that there isn't anything blocking the subscription service coming to Steam. Uh, but he did say that, um, he said, but for their customers, it's clearly a popular option and we'd be more than happy to work with them to get that on Steam. And it, the article goes on here, of course, talking about uh, not only that EA Play exists on Steam already and has since 2020, um, but that they're not looking to make their own sort of Game Pass competitor and are, at least as of right now, saying that they've had quite a few conversations with the Xbox team. So with that out there, Kyle, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about potentially there being some sort of collaboration for Game Pass to be either included in Steam or potentially accessible through the Steam Deck without requiring Windows? I think it's fantastic. Honestly, um, especially if you're able to actually download the PC Game Pass games onto the Steam Deck, that's even better. That that gives uh, obviously more players uh, to Game Pass, potentially more new players, which is exactly what Phil Spencer wants. Um, I mean, it, it's basically Valve saying, 
oh, you wanted people to work with you. Yeah, we're all in, dude. Come on. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking, too, is that this really seems to fill that niche uh, market anyway, though, is that people want more games. And by offering yeah. Game Pass even more out there than it already is, by including something like maybe Steam uh, compatibility, that means it could make it to the Steam Deck much faster. And you don't have to rely on the xCloud part of it. You, don't, you can have the game locally instead. Well, and especially when you think the uh, Steam Verified list, it's sitting at a meager like 399, 499 games, which is quite a lot of games. But in the scope of what Steam has to offer, it's very meager. And That's true. having access to a library that you're just paying a subscription fee, which Steam has no subscription fee. So, you know, there are a few free-to-play games on Steam that you'll have access to if you buy a Steam Deck. But if you already have that Xbox subscription that you're paying for on your PC, or if you're paying for the Ultimate Game Pass on your Xbox, all of a sudden, it broadens your horizon for, you know, that many more games to be able to play. And, you know, at no extra cost to you. That's very true, and that's one of those things that I see it as is doing some Game Pass-type things, especially with the xCloud stuff on a phone where you either have to prop the phone up or you have to use one of the mounts for a controller and then, of course, do the Bluetooth pairing. That's not bad, but it definitely can be cumbersome, especially if you have a call come in and you've got to get everything undone or right. you know, you're trying to shut things down and get stuff disconnected. That it's it's a problem. So by incorporating that ecosystem into Steam's environment and then making it so that way it is accessible on the Steam Deck, absolutely, it does broaden it and does kind of assign that at least to something that is basically a, a gaming PC on the go. I mean, all of the reviews that have come out so far about the Steam Deck now that the embargo has been lifted have been really sowing quite a bit of praise, saying, of course, that steam or that valve excuse me and the hardware team have some work to do but it's actually a pretty solid system so for game pass to be included with it ea plays already there which we know is already incorporated with game pass now too and then the rest of the steam library at least for those things that work it makes it a pretty tempting portable device for a lot of things and and we've even talked about it previously that it's not even the xbox stuff if that were to be integrated the fact that you could take horizon zero dawn and God of War, the newer ones, out on, um, you know, out with you by this without having to wait on Sony to come up with a whole new handheld model or try to right. create their own competitor for Game Pass. That right in there itself even makes it a bigger selling point. Like you can take PlayStation games with you. You can then, you know, take Xbox games with you if that happens. And now it's like, okay, now you got the Steam mm -hmm. library. It makes it that much more compelling of a device to take with. Hands down. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it makes me want one still just like even more. But I know, of course, I'm out of the, the pre-order cycle right now where I probably wouldn't see one for, oh, God, a year, probably. You know, honestly, at, at this point, um, even though that they have the Steam Deck 2, you know, they say that they're working on it already. Um, you, you look at the uh, upgradability of the uh, current model that they just launched and you know, where where it's going to go and um, how long it's going to take for that matter to, to get orders out there. If you want one and if there's a, a, the ability to put in an order for one, I would probably just do it. Because yeah. if nothing else, that $5, it just goes right back into your Steam account. Yeah, that's, that's also very true, too. Um I guess part of it, though, is just the time to put into actually, you know, waiting for something like that to actually come out. But right. the idea, though, yeah, is the upgradability is that if like or even like going into the Steam Deck 2 part there that you're mentioning is that the fact that they mentioned they're already working on a Steam Deck 2 or at least the successor to the Steam Deck really gives at least some idea that, OK, the Steam Deck really did meet their expectations for sales then. Uh probably maybe even on the pre-order level or maybe they looked at the pre-order plus the number of people who actually paid off the version that they wanted um right off the bat so maybe that was what led them to realize hey we can now start working on this because we met or exceeded our sales targets for the steam deck so because otherwise why would they start on a steam deck too unless they weren't going to meet the 
uh, meet the criteria. Right. But another thing to think about, though, too, is with all the modular components that the Steam Deck has, um, there is the potential that, you know, the Steam Deck 2 could could cost more because there is no, you know, early adoption you know, a bunch of people threw in $5 and all of a sudden they had all this extra money to generate. Granted, Steam, Valve does not need the extra money, probably, but... They probably don't. I, it they is, probably don't. It is just extra money that they had to throw at the consoles. But to the same effect, there there is the potential that the uh, Nexus system could be more expensive and you could just buy all the internals to upgrade the current gen model. So I mean, which it weighs itself out, right? And that's one of those things I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed for that we had talked about. I think in last week's news was mm-hmm. um, the potential of there being some sort of trade out program where when newer hardware does come out, like a newer motherboard um, or even maybe a faster uh, solid state drive, that you're able to do some sort of exchange process where you send in the old board, pay maybe a little bit of money, and then get a whole new board in that gives you that next gen or that next layer of compatibility or or the next level of specs that they're planning for the second Steam Deck. Right. So I, I'm overall, though, I mean, I'm very excited about what this could potentially bring to the market or at least uh, for the rest of the things to come to market and how the other companies are going to approach this, how um, 1X player is going to handle this, how A&EO is going to handle it, how GPD is going to handle it. And if our rumor ends up being true, what we talked about several NPCs discuss episodes ago was about, you know, Asus or MSI or NVIDIA um, entering or re-entering the ring to offer some sort of Steam Deck competitor. Well, and another thing a lot of people haven't examined quite yet is the uh, whole using it as, well, basically like the NVIDIA Shield. You go dock it in in another room, stream games from your computer to the console, and play them directly on the TV. Mm -hmm. Because there's the, the possibility of that with no latency as well. Yeah. So, I mean, there there's a lot that that's that people haven't taken a look at um, that that this system is going to be capable of. And I, I think the fact that it's so modular and so upgradable, there there's a there's a small audience, well maybe even a larger audience than I imagine, of people that'll buy them and they won't do anything with them. They'll play them as they are. But then there's people like you and me that we're going to want to tinker. You know, it, it has the ability to tinker, and they've thrown everything out there for us to, we're probably going to tinker. <laughs> it's one of those things that if I were to get a Steam Deck, I would get the dock, I would get a KVM, and mm-hmm. I would have my keyboard mouse hooked up to it, and because my um, my gaming monitor here can do picture-in-picture, I would have the Steam Deck in one, you know, running a full instance of Linux that I could get into without having to use like WSL or spin up a VM or something on my machine and be able to do stuff there while at the same time be able to do stuff on my other machine in tandem, you know, or or what have you. You know, there, there's there's a whole layer of different things that could actually occur right. with that. But I would look more especially at the not just the gaming side of it on the go part, but the, the actual expandability, the dock part, especially when I go on trips or anything for work. Yeah, we and we haven't even talked about the fact that, um, and I, I don't even want to dive into it because we'll be talking all night, but you can install other operating systems on this thing. So, That's so cool. So as it stands right now, apparently, while you can, it hasn't been fully vetted yet. There was something else that came out right. about it, though, I think either today or yesterday, that it may have even been the Linus Tech Tips review of the Steam Deck yesterday, but... What I recall is that um, while it might work by installing Windows, there's no guarantee because it requires AMD and Valve to work together on custom driver sets for not only the right. for not only the CPU but also the GPU. Basically, the entire system on a chip. They've got to work out all the drivers to be able to actually allow it to work properly. So your mileage is going to vary if you can change it. But obviously, that was a promise they made when they lo- or when they announced the Steam Deck. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
Anyway, with that, of course, though, if uh, if you have not yet pre-ordered your Steam Deck, you better uh, go do it now because they've already sent out emails to the first round of people and uh, should be shipping out here in the next couple days. But, of course, you've probably already missed your first go-around anyway, so uh, order and then, I guess, wait. And, of course, as you wait, you can sit here and hang out with us as we move on to the next story. Uh, Tesla wants Steam games in its cars. Um. So this article from PC Gamer has um, Elon Musk right now uh, has, has uh, copied this tweet over from uh, Elon Musk, the uh, CEO of um, Tesla. I guess Ryan McCaffrey, uh, I've got to actually look who this guy is here. I don't know if this is actually the guy who wrote the article itself. I don't think so. No, he is the executive editor over at IGN. He puts up a tweet that says new model SX version of Cyberpunk uh, when? And Elon replied, we're working through the general case of making Steam games work on a Tesla versus specific titles. Former is obviously where we should be go uh, or where we should be long term. So the fact that the um, the fact that the newer model Teslas, the ones with the yoke in it instead of a regular steering wheel are coming with the ability to play games on them. You know, not just your standard like little platformer games, but some higher quality ones because they've got AMD RDNA 2 GPUs built into them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of funny to think about Steam being in a car infotainment system. Um, like, like, what do you think about that? I mean, I'm sure you've probably heard some of the more recent news on gaming in a Tesla car, but uh, if not, we can get yeah. to that in a minute. Okay. Um, I what do you think about that though? So, like, the does is there a controller built into the steering wheel? I wonder. So, for the platformer games that have come out so far, things like Cuphead, um, there's uh, I know Cuphead is is the big one, and there were some other ones, but you would actually mm -hmm. use the the steering wheel controls to do it. Like, there are some games that actually mm -hmm. allowed you to steer the wheel while you were sitting, like, parked to be able to control whatever it was um, or using the actual control buttons on the steering wheel to act as a controller. Now, I don't know if you can go plug in something like an Xbox uh, controller into the USB port in there or what. But, yes, there is technically, there are ways to control that content. But, you know where I'm so, going with this, I think. Okay. Oh, okay. Talk to me. Where are you Racing going? Racing games. <laughs> like, is there... I could, could you imagine if someone accidentally unlocks the wheel or does something to, you know, put it out of game mode and all of a sudden they think they're in game mode playing their, their you know, need for speed. Or, and they drive you know, through the Forza wall of the Horizon, garage. And they... Yeah, they, they drive through the wall of the garage or, God forbid, you know, off an overpass. Well, most of that stuff anyway, the game stuff is supposed to work when the vehicle is parked. Um, more recently, uh, Tesla is under investigation right now because some games were originally available to play by the passenger in a Tesla as you were driving. However, it was actually found, based on people who did videos of themselves doing it, that the mm -hmm. Tesla being in autopilot mode, you as the driver were able to play the games on the on the uh, infotainment screen, which obviously, See, of course, is a saying. big red flag. Now, hold on. You are right. Racing games. Sure. Okay. That right there is like, you know, one for one. You're in a car. You're playing a game in a car. It's like, oh, play, you're playing a driving game. But, Everything gets taken over. But that I I don't know. I, I, I just I don't, don't know. think games really need to be in a car, maybe in the back seat of the car. But do do games really need to be in the front seat in, in the console of a car? Okay. I remember when, you know, it was it was extremely exotic to have an actual screen that displayed something other than, you know, your, your dot matrix, you know, radio station. Yeah. Or yeah. Especially if you get into those, 
more like luxury SUVs when we were kids or the minivans that had the TV like or the VCR or the DVD player. Or if you were lucky, yeah. they also had RCA jacks. You could bring the N64 with you when you went on a vacation and plug it in and actually play N64 games on the go. Yes, you are right that that's stuff that should be relegated to obviously screens that are not next to the driver. You are right. Yeah, th- these were so, these were like family transports where you were you had five kids that you had to entertain simultaneously on a road trip that was eight hours long. You know, true. And you did this true, quite true, true. frequently. True. That's why they bought but, these Astro vans like that. Yes, but. But even so, with stuff like this, yeah, it definitely is one of those things that seems to be more for when you're idle, especially when you are charging your vehicle. Like if you're at a Tesla supercharger station and you've got to take, you know, you've got to go like up for like a full charge or at least get yourself to a higher point, then you are going to be sitting there for a little bit, like, you know, maybe 20 minutes, half hour to be able to boot up Netflix there on the screen to play games in the car. You know, that's probably where most of it is tailored and aimed at is to provide that level of distraction instead of doom scrolling on Twitter or playing on TikTok, you know, like watching okay. videos on TikTok. That, that's what I'm saying. But what I want to get at, though, is that while the Tesla you is can't be relegated to your your cell phone screen like the common pleb. <laughs> For, I, for Netflix. It definitely does feel like things like the Tesla you know, definitely do fit that kind of elitist Toon category. Blast but is far beyond, you know, you're but, far beyond Tune Blast. But what I want to <laughs> say is this, though, is that while the Tesla is available to everybody that, you know, if you have the money, you can obviously go buy a Tesla. Okay. It's not limited to, to people at all. Anyway, but there are parts of this that feel like Elon Musk is basically building the car that he wants. Kind of like when Homer Simpson found out that he had a long lost brother who runs a car company and he ends up yeah. making that car. It, it That's really where it feels like this comes into play is that it's like, okay, you look at the Tesla and you know, you look at the line of Teslas and the fact that you've got the model S, the model three, the model X, the model Y, you have the ability to change the horn to any sound you want. You have the ability to, turn on like some sort of romance mode that increases the heat and puts a fire on on the screen like out of a fireplace you have um you basically could put it into a dance mode where like especially with the um with the model x where the wing the falcon wing doors open and close and everything to sync up with the music so it's like it's dancing okay this is a car that Homer Simpson would have built, yet somehow has made its way out there, and it continues to get more crazy. Hey, let's throw a gaming PC in the thing now, too, with an AMD RDNA GPU, and now you're getting stuff like Cyberpunk in there. You're getting stuff like The Witcher. It's not just these little crazy ripoffs of Tetris or Galaga or or whatever, but full-fledged games. These are like pimp-my-ride-level luxuries now. They really are. Yeah, if you really want to date us there, folks, that's where we're at right now. It's worth the level of pimp-my-ride. Um, yeah, no, that's exactly what this or, is to me. Hold on, let, let me let me date us a little bit more. Not just pimp my ride, but monster garage. Oh my god. So anyway, um, but with that though, um, it's <laughs> the problem though is that it's like okay, this is some interesting things to actually like kind of incorporate into it. But obviously, at the at the very high level, when it comes to the vehicle itself, though, is that these are just luxuries to have in a vehicle that we've never seen in any other vehicle before. So obviously with a lot of these things, not only the auto, the the self-driving functions and these other customizations, but it's a lot of things that we've never seen in a vehicle before outside of what we've seen in reality shows or someone who really like took this thing to the chop shop and tore it apart and put it back together in a different way. But because it's still a vehicle and because it's still on the road and because it is still something that can potentially kill one several or many people it's going to be something that's going to be heavily scrutinized especially as we start to move forward in the world of autonomous driving and the potential to reach full self-autonomy where you don't even have to actually drive the car you actually can just tell it go to the store and it drives you to the store well and you know it's already been a problem with people um sleeping in in the cars that are on autopilot mode because that's that's not allowed you know it, no. it's not legal to do no um and there are people who are selling uh defeat devices to actually get around those sensors so they can oh, still yeah. do it and yeah um yeah no and yeah. that's exactly what i was gonna get at is the the fact that th- those people are already out there selling sensors to to bypass the 
you know, the fact that you could just take a nap on your way to work if you had a 45-minute drive into work every day or whatever, and then take a nap on the way home. So you're, you know, jazzed to go to the bar at in the evening or whatever. Um, you know, people are just going to utilize that even further to attempt to play games when, you know, they're in high-traffic areas that they should be, you know, both hands on the wheel. Autopilot has no business because that's... That's really when the most accidents happen is, you know, when when there is the one crazy driver, when everything is flowing properly True. and regularly in, in high traffic areas, but then one person goes out of line and then the car wigs out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's so. going to be interesting to see if he even can get away with doing something like this in the first place. But it was something worth mentioning, especially to see Steam you know, come up as a potential addition to a Tesla. Just, I don't know. But uh, Serpent Knight on chat here does say there's a game in my Steam library called Tesla Effect, and maybe that should be the first game then that actually does get an official release then for <laughs> the Teslas, that it is the Tesla Effect, is that it is someone yes. basically, it is basically a kid making their own vehicle, and somehow it's made it to mass production. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but as we... As we summon the car and we wait for it to come around the corner, we move on to the world of virtual entertainment. And, of course, we get to talk about the final official revealing of the PlayStation VR 2. Uh, so Sony announced on the 22nd, which was, oh, God, when was that? That was Tuesday. God, let's never talk about Tuesday again. Um The PlayStation VR 2 has now been officially shown off in its full glory by Sony um, over on blog.playstation.com. And I'll go ahead and open up this article here so we can actually take a look at the picture all together here. Uh, oh, I forgot to set this up too. Yay me for not setting this up right because I just didn't do it. All right, there we go. This is the PlayStation VR 2. So Hideki uh, Nishino, or Nishino, uh, I don't know how to pronounce I just... Nishino, I think that's what it is for, I just don't want to butcher really anybody's Japanese name, but um, he is the Senior Vice President for Platform Experience, and he goes on to say, Today I am especially pleased to reveal the stunning new design of our next generation VR headset, PlayStation VR 2, together with an updated and final design image of our PlayStation VR 2 Sense controller. So not only have they announced the final version of the Sense controller, which we can now see in uh, dual tone white and black to match the color scheme of the PlayStation 5. Uh, but we can also see in the picture itself that the VR2 um, is definitely much slimmer. It appears to be much lighter and seems to pack even more hardware than the last generation PlayStation VR. Uh, I mean, I, I think for the size of this, it actually does look pretty slick. It looks, I think it looks really good. What do you think? I really like the uh, size and shape of it. Um, I do kind of worry about the uh, headphones because uh, the first generation, it you had to utilize um, earbud headphones. And then for the second generation of the uh, PSVR, they actually had earbuds built in that like hung down from it on cords um, on each side. So I, I wonder how the whole headphone aspect it, is going to work for for the unit um but as far as design um i really like how sleek and lightweight it looks um that's one of the big complaints i have with the original sony vr headset is the bulkiness of it um i love the the fact that it's got the out uh facing cameras uh just totally removing the need for the uh, PlayStation camera, a totally useless accessory, and has been, <laughs> in my opinion, since it launched on the PS2. But as we've learned um, from console launch after console launch, and even through 360 generations, that people can't keep away from those damn cameras. Um, so thank God it's on the headset finally instead. No kidding. Um, no kidding. And I, the the uh, displays are quite remarkable, coming in at uh, 4K resolution. So that what it was the uh, resolution per eye. I want to say it was. I just saw it a moment ago. 
2,000 by 2,040 per eye. Okay. So uh, it's going to be sharp, sharp, which is yet another complaint um, I had with both headsets uh, from the PS4. Granted, as far as like VR headsets um, at the time that it launched versus what was on the market, it was the the more affordable version of what was available um, for connected units. But the the images and pictures were not the the sharpest yeah they really weren't they they that was one of the problems i had with the headset though too is that i think the the blurriness is probably what messed with me more than anything but i really do like the look of this i do like the design of it it definitely feels like that they took some of the cues off of the uh the curves and some of the sleekness that um that Oculus has been able to figure out for like the Quest and Quest 2 mm-hmm. because obviously something like the original PSVR definitely seemed to fit in with the mantra that we saw for um, other VR headsets at the time. The original Oculus Rift, the uh, the HTC Vive, and all of the other yeah, Windows. Yeah, I, I was going to um, say, I see the a lot of HMDs. nuance from the... Yeah. Uh, the Oculus and the, and the Vive in there for sure. Yeah, but this one, yeah, I mean, I really see like a lot of value in this, especially when it comes to the actual size and, and shape of everything. And it does seem like it's going to be a more comfortable experience because one of the things they tout here in the article, yeah, the single cord is the big one, especially for a lot of people. Ooh, but the one yeah. thing, though, is that they actually are proud about in here is a quote from a uh, senior art director, uh, Eugene Morisawa, uh from Sony Interactive Entertainment, and he's talking about the vents on the thing here. So listen to this. When I started to work on the design for the PlayStation VR 2 headset, one of the areas I wanted to focus on first was the idea of creating a vent in the headset to let air out, similar to the vents on the PS5 console that allows airflow. Our engineers came up with this idea as a good way to allow ventilation and avoid having the lenses fog up while players are immersed in their VR games. I worked on many design concepts to achieve this, and in the final design, you can see there is little spa- a little space in between the top and front surface of the scope that contains the integrated ventilation. Really proud of how this turned out and the positive feedback I've gotten so far. I hope our PlayStation fans will also agree, and I can't wait for them to try it out. So, obviously, of course, the venting situation on the PlayStation 5 is a very interesting one compared to what we see like on the Xbox Series X. Um, it's the fact, though, that they realize that playing VR games can definitely cause your lenses in the the headset to fog up. So, of course, obviously, they're putting in something that makes... Yes, exactly. They are actually putting something in there that makes sense, at least in the grand scheme of it. Not even necessarily the haptic feedback, the foveated rendering, the 4K resolution in there, but really the... uh, Yeah, the venting. One of the key things needed to continue uh, long-term playing. I I do, though, still think it really looks slick. I think it's cool. What I do hope... Fingers crossed, okay? Fingers crossed, Kyle, that the VR2 will support PC games as well. Uh, That's a big, big fingers crossed. Um, Especially within the new controllers, that that makes the uh, control system on par with the uh, Valve Index. Um, And that that's awesome yeah that gives you full full motion of all digits yeah it it does but that would be really really cool yeah but the question is though is do you think they would do something like that Uh, it's hard to say i mean they are embracing the pc market that's why i'm saying it that's where i was about to go actually is uh we've seen sony here recently bridge that gap between the pc market and the console market with uh not just uncharted but horizon god of war um who knows what's to lie in the future at this point maybe we could see playstation vr2 come to pc and maybe we could see some digital psvr titles come to pc along with it so that'd be neat maybe like that that's really what my hope is is that at least it allows it now before we move on to our next story here, here is the last question for you on this, Kyle, especially as you own a first-generation PlayStation VR. Mm-hmm. How much is this headset going to launch for? Big question. Because how much was the original PlayStation VR standalone there? 
That's tough. Um, I want to say, I if I remember right, it, it was four hundred dollars. Now I picked up mine used many years later for uh, much less expensive than that. Uh, but I'm gonna throw out. Ooh, that that's tough. The original PSVR so launched be... at three hundred dollars. So oh, it was three hundred. Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna say, and this is gonna this is gonna sound crazy. Uh, three fifty naked headset, four fifty with the controllers. Interesting idea that they would actually sell it all separately, but I wouldn't actually be surprised on that either. So you're thinking, okay, the, so you're saying three ninety nine for the headset and four ninety nine for the headset with the two controllers, right? Is that what you said? Well, no, I said uh, three forty nine because you said you said it was uh, two ninety nine. Um, the original MSRP of yes. the first gen yeah. headset, correct? Yes. Yeah. So if it was two ninety nine, I, I could see it being three forty nine. Sure. Yeah, three forty nine. Okay. For the headset, um, and then four forty nine with the controllers okay got it okay so 449 doesn't sound like that's too bad of a a deal there because i think the quest the oculus quest 2 comes in at what 300 dollars for the the 128 gig model with the controllers right now Mm -hmm. okay so maybe that's not necessarily bad especially because of how much more tech is packed inside the psvr2 compared to what's in the quest 2 so that doesn't actually sound too far off necessarily for the next step up but who knows maybe they'll surprise us and they'll release it at the exact same price point that that's another hard thing to say especially you know uh with chip shortage and i i see chip shortage potentially expanding here soon so um it's it's hard because these these headsets will utilize those um, chipsets as well. Yeah, exactly. They will. So I just wanted to at least start the conversation on it because I know, of course, obviously, um, you know, it's probably down the line for a few people we know that actually do have the um, who have a PlayStation Five at least. Um, but again, I'm still kind of wondering if it may end up being PC capable though too. So we'll just keep our yeah. fingers crossed on well, that one. And that was another thing I didn't think about too. Oh, you Jesus say P- PC capable. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, sorry. Um, no, you're all right. I accidentally I moved over to the next tab to get ready for the next story, and the video started auto playing, and so it just uh-huh. like blew up my ears there for a second. And everyone else uh-huh. is going to hear this though too, or at least did hear it. So if I woke anybody up, you're welcome. <laughs> uh no i was gonna say the console availability it's not there and if True. they're able to get the headsets out there and still not able to get the consoles out there they better have a way for people to play them so maybe pc is the way to go maybe maybe they will launch it that way yeah yeah that's that's so. kind of where i'm keeping my fingers crossed at is that it's probably going to be exactly that so anyway yeah. Um, as of course we, uh, wait for people, uh, or wait for Sony to release something else for people to fight over. Again, I'm really good at these uh, segues here. Yeah. Uh, as we, uh, wait, of course, yeah, on that, um, we move on to our, uh, second to last story here, at least in the regular list. Uh, Street Fighter six has been officially announced and has already stirred up a little bit of controversy for itself with its announcement. So, uh, Capcom dropped a teaser trailer um on what was this this was on the 20th which would be what sunday yeah so on sunday they dropped a teaser trailer for street fighter 6 and sure enough um doesn't show anything except ryu and i don't know exactly who else this other character was though too um apparently it looks like maybe um oh it's luke excuse me so the short teaser revealed a beefed up ryu as he faces luke the 45th and final character of street fighter 5 who was teased to be in the sequel um the according to this article from ign they say the announcement for street fighter 6 also coincided with the 35th anniversary of the franchise so i, I guess if you are the um uh, you know you are the street fighter fan then maybe sure enough you guys um I don't know. Maybe uh, 
you know, maybe go pick that up here at some point, of course, when it does come out. I don't know. Kyle, are you a, a fighter fan? Um, you know, I used to be really big into the, the fighting games, but I haven't played one in many years. Uh, probably a good four or five, maybe longer than that. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in it, but you know, after the uh, launch of street fighter five, um, I, I think that's where I really got burned. Um, I did pick up Soul Cal 6 a couple years after that, uh, but it wasn't the same. I got really burned by the launch of Street Fighter V. Um, I, I paid full price for the game, uh, and it, it launched incomplete with an incomplete roster, no story mode to speak of, even though, the, I mean, there's really not much of a story to the the story modes on there i mean they're just an arcade mode with some extra fluff but still it would have been nice to have it especially coming off of you know the the success of uh street fighter 4 um that being said i i'm excited to see but i'm also a little bit leery of of what's to be what what, what they have to offer from this especially after the whole logo fiasco yeah, which is the next thing I want to get into. So, yes, the logo for Street Fighter VI has definitely caused uh, some back-and-forth discussions in the market right now, in the in the video game market, about, about their logo. So let me bring up a picture of it. Street Fighter VI logo. There's a lot of other uh, people who are talking about it. Uh, let me see if I can find the... Um, let's see. There was a pretty good article about it. Let's see. Um Let's see here. Kotaku actually had something pretty good about it. Um, so Kotaku's article here from Wednesday says that the Street Fighter Six logo looks like a Taiwanese retailer's old logo. Um, and even says like here, um, not only does Street Fighter Six's logo look like $80 clip art, but it also looks like the old logo of a Taiwanese company. Uh, with locations all across Taiwan, Sunfar 3C, is a major electronics chain selling gaming computers, peripherals, video games, and gadgets. According to Yahoo News Taiwan, when Street Fighter VI was announced, fans immediately compared the game's logo to the Sunfar's 3C, uh, or Sunfar 3Cs and made tongue-in-cheek jokes about how Capcom copied it, which, of course, isn't likely. Um, so if I bring up the... Um, uh, so let me bring up the picture here from the article itself so you guys can see this of course so there we go so from the kotaku article the street fighter 6 logo from the video as you guys saw a minute ago there it is um you know on the left and then on the right is the sunfar 3c logo now what do you think kyle i mean is i mean that looks pretty close to you know almost with those little tweaks i mean it is available um see that that's a different one that i saw um there's another one however uh that is available uh to be purchased on photoshop that is very very similar uh to the street fighter uh logo it, it's got it right here yep. text okay yeah with the pink background yep let me throw that up here now yeah that one is actually available uh, to be purchased off of the Adobe Shop Store um, for $80, actually. And it does kind of, especially with the uh, hooked F and uh, the, I guess, uh, character density um, being slightly tweaked and maybe a skew uh, filter put, put on it, that could be the street fighter six logo i mean they obviously added some spray paint effect but some minor tweaks in adobe photoshop which is where the logo was apparently created <laughs> they they have the street fighter logo so i i yeah. don't know that's and, super sketch and someone uh, it's even pretty generic well, so someone even in the same Twitter thread here even said there's a sci-fi convention in Colmar, France, that uses the same logo. So there's the picture of it with the logo right there for people to see at home. Um, yeah, basically. Um, see, and I mean, an octa or it, it, it's you know, an 
what uh that that's an octagon yeah right yeah uh no it's not um, it's not it's not no. eight sides what is it one two no, three four it, five it, six side hexagon oh okay hexagon sorry i was miscounting um but a hexagon design with two characters in it i mean how many people can come up with the same design graphically if you say oh give me the characters sf in 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 a cool configuration i i bet if you gave it to ten thousand people a thousand of them are going to come up with the same exact almost verbatim design i think someone here actually put it just right on another twitter thread i'm going to throw this back up here onto the screen um so people can see this of course though too but it's like here's all these these logos showing off from the original street fighter games and how a lot of like street fighter uh the street fighter art kind of like stayed basically the same for the majority of its releases and then of course um farther down it's like okay there's street fighter six right there it's like okay where does that really fit in like what are you what are you trying to do here you know like even street fighter five it's like it's still kept the same uh, somewhat motif or at least somewhat edginess that the original logos did so I, i i don't know i mean maybe it was pure laziness like some people are speculating maybe it was something else i don't know i just find it funny though that it was just that simple that it just seems like that they were trying to embrace kind of like the the half clean look while offering a little bit of the edginess with the spray painted six part. I I don't know See, what they were I, thinking. I feel like, especially in uh, Street Fighter Five, they um it, it was in their uh, promo materials and uh, some of the the stuff that they sold. Um, as like marketing stuff, just like t-shirt designs and yeah. logos and whatnot. They had gone to this like really clean, boxy look mixed with the, the dirty characters. But then as as it got further in the release of the game, the more and more stuff that they put out, it seemed like it kind of leaned more towards that like clean, but slightly slightly off, you know, look. So maybe that's what they were trying to pull is this like very minimalist, slightly, cl- you know, mostly clean, but slightly off look. Um, that That's all I can think of is they were just they, they'd been having too much fun making logos for too long on their marketing stuff. <sighs> Possible, but I don't know. Yeah. It, it's also very sketch that people have found almost the exact same logo. But at the same time, how many people are going to come up with the same exact logo if you say, come up with something with SF that that looks like a cool logo design? Yeah, keep it clean, offer a little bit of edge, but make sure people know it's Street Fighter Six, And that's what they did. So I wonder maybe if they'll go back to the drawing board for their logo. Unless they've already started printing marketing materials, and then that's a lot of money wasted. Well, and I have also heard that maybe maybe it's a placeholder logo. Well... Maybe that is the case. Probably not. But Street Fighter has also been known to uh, change their logos. I mean, you look at uh, some of the text from the original Street Fighter 4 release to Ultra Street Fighter. Yeah, some of it looks the same, but mm-hmm. a lot of it changes. So Yeah. Yeah, it, it does, but it, again, they you see a Street logos. Right, but you see a Street Fighter logo and you, you have a better idea of what that you know or you have an understanding like that is a street fighter logo you know it definitely yeah it fits a certain style that that you know you don't really see in the other ones like you know mortal Kombat has its own style and so does tekken and so does um uh blaze blue and and so does smash brothers and so do all these other fighting games i'm just saying it's like they've got a motif and style that they fit to and now it's like a huge huge diversion off to like just left field that just as little bizarre right. but that's again if they haven't printed marketing marketing materials yet and that is just a placeholder cool if that is the final design they've decided on though as the logo and they've already started printing stuff and there's all this like this uh this just talk about everything that's going on with it that's a lot of money that capcom has lost especially given the fact that they were hacked just uh what last year or two years ago and um had a lot of things revealed and leaked out that they you know obviously didn't want out 
So right, yeah. Um, but as of course, we wait for seeing whether or not Street Fighter Six ends up being delayed because of this logo. We move on to another delay, and that's going to be our. Uh, this is going to be our last story, at least in the main list for news tonight. And that is, there will be no main Call of Duty game. Oh, I got the the text wrong there at the bottom of the screen. There will be no main COD game this next year. I'm going to just switch back over to the NPC's news logo to get that off the screen. Uh, There will be no main Call of Duty game released in 2023. Uh, So according to um, a report from Bloomberg... Um, they say that while uh, this is an article from Kotaku says while this year's Modern Warfare release is still on track and there are other Call of Duty projects in the works, Bloomberg reports that whatever main entry in the series was coming next has been pushed back. This means that for the first time since 2004, uh, the world will see a holiday season without a Call of Duty game propping up the sales charts. And Kotaku even has a screen cap from Wikipedia. Uh, showing every year that a game has released, and it really has been that way for the last decade. And I'm, well, I'm a little annoyed because, of course, obviously, we talked about um, Modern Warfare in our uh, podcast episode that we recorded yesterday, of course, it'll get published on Thursday. And I thought it was going to be the game that was releasing this year, which is supposed to, like, supposedly a remake of Modern Warfare 2. And given the current crisis and situation in Ukraine um, and a lot of other things that have been happening at home and abroad, that it definitely did feel out of place for there to be, um, you know, it did feel like there was something out of place with that game coming out. And I was like, okay, so then this year's is canceled. We'll see it next year. But I was obviously wrong when reading that story. And we are not going to be seeing a title next year instead. So, I mean, is is that really going to cause a problem though, Kyle? Do you think that's really going to cause an issue for anything going forward with Call of Duty or you know, or is this is this just something that's just not really to worry about? I see him getting backlash maybe a little bit from the fans, but I mean we we get a we've gotten a Call of Duty every year for like 20 years if uh yep. at, at least. It, uh, I mean is it so bad to take a break so we actually get one that that has you know a lengthy quality story instead of you know one short quality story every I don't know two to five years? I I would rather have a, a longer game, uh, you know, maybe not even necessarily five hours longer, just a couple hours longer, two hours longer. Give me just a little bit extra gameplay. Give me some extra narrative, but, you know, make it more worth my time. Make yeah. it more worth my money. Oh, yeah. You know, don't don't release a game that's going to be broken in multiplayer, you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I want them to take their time, and maybe it's time that, that Call of Duty, they finally step back from the plate, examine what they've, they've done for the, you know, past 20 years and go, okay, guys. Let, let's let's make something that the fans really really want. And yeah, I I think that's actually where a lot of it comes from because further along in the article is that Bloomberg uh, or, or the Kotaku reporter here, what Bloomberg has said is that um, it was after a recent entry in the series failed to meet expectations. Um, it led some executives to believe that they're introducing new versions too rapidly. However, if we go back and look, of course, at every yearly release of Call of Duty. Um, looking at this screen cap here that has everything listed, you know, we got, um, you know, look at like Infinite Warfare and Ghosts and uh, Black Ops 4, which Black Ops 4 didn't even have a campaign to it. It was all multiplayer specific. Um, And apparently it's just, it seems like Vanguard did not do as well as they were hoping by going back to World War II, where I think, EA had success with going back to it with things like Battlefield 5 and then, of course, with World War One and Battlefield 1. So their kind of idea to step back in time again just doesn't seem like it's gone off without a hitch. So maybe that's finally where they realized, okay, we need to do it. But it just sucks it took so long for them to realize that, though. But I'm not a I'm not a annual Call of Duty player anyway. I haven't been since Modern Warfare 3. 
And it took me forever to play the new Modern Warfare, the, the remake of Modern Warfare. Played a lot of Warzone, but it just took me forever. So I don't know. I guess maybe for people who play Call of Duty, this is going to be a shot in the back, and they're going to feel pretty left out when it comes to the holiday season's round of games. Or I don't know. Maybe they'll move on to something else. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, to me, it, it feels like every year the campaigns have gotten progressively um, shorter and less quality. Multiplayer is, is stale, but even when they add new stuff and, and it's good to play, it's only good to play for a couple weeks because then all of a sudden it becomes riddled with hackers and cheaters and yeah, it's not well policed. Um, and the fact that, you know, at, at, at the time, Blizzard Activision had just been closing studio after studio to wrangle people in, oh, oh, you know, the studios that they had bought, um, just basically closing them, dissolving them, and bringing people on board to work on Call of Duty to make it a broken, continuously broken game. This is this is for the best. Yeah, it, it probably is, and it probably maybe helps to bring it to light that they do need to take their time. And um, I don't know if maybe some of it, like the the article goes on to say that the decision was not influenced by the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Um, but I wonder if it might have had some smaller influence, not necessarily like being the main thing or the main reason why, but I wonder if it would have had some smaller influence realizing that we didn't get a Halo game pumped out every year. We didn't get a uh, Sea of Thieves, you know, like two or three or four or whatever pumped out every year. We haven't seen a Gears of War, you know, five, six, seven, eight, twenty-seven, whatever. You know, we haven't seen all of these things come out from Microsoft's owned uh, studios. So maybe they finally took that to heart and realized that, you know, it's like Microsoft has been able to make some decent money on their first party titles and haven't required them to make stuff every year for the same properties over and over and over again. But I don't know. I mean, they said that's what it was, but I still feel that maybe there is some of that influence there, but I think so. Yeah. Uh, but or my last segue for tonight anyway, is this is of course, speaking of acquisitions, uh, you know, and what their potential impact could be. Let's talk about this last bit here that you were going to report on, Kyle, and that was Nintendo's recent acquisition of what is it? SP? What was it? SPD? SRD? SRD? Uh, System Research and Development. Okay, so tell us who is SRD? What did they do? And why did Nintendo decide to acquire them? So, um, SRD is a um or of course systems research and development um is a company that nintendo has worked with since 1983 developing video games um basically for 40 years um they've only ever been a partner and they've actually worked on games like the original super mario brothers and the original legend of zelda um but it comes down to the fact that nintendo quote um will says it will serve to strengthen the management base of SRD and secure the availability availability of software development resources for Nintendo. Basically, I mean, it it's kind of what um Devolver did in a way, except Devolver doesn't, you know, make consoles. They they just bought a partner that, you know, they've worked with forever that it should it, it's a deal that should have been you know, done and over with probably 20 years ago, but you know, it, it's good that they're, they're working together. Um, the, it, it does say, um, that the previous acquisitions of next level games, uh, the, this studio doesn't actually develop their own games. They only particularly assist in, uh, development which isn't um necessarily a bad thing with Nintendo either. True. Um they they outsource a lot of stuff anyway. I mean, you look at how they they've done uh like the Metroid games 
for instance. So, yeah, and maybe them having their at least their base developer partner that they've had for all of these years, you know, finally under their wing, uh, or like actually in the house of Mario officially, kind of makes sense. But you know, for a lot of people, it's like, what else did SRD do? outside of the assisting and supporting of Nintendo. Like is there I, I haven't been able to come across anything else yet other than working it on really stuff for didn't. Nintendo. I mean like they, I, they worked on the NES version of Donkey Kong, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, most recently um they actually assisted on Animal Crossing New Horizon and Ring Fit Adventure. But Nintendo also th- this is them following suit. They did say uh previously um at the beginning of the month that they weren't interested in any, in buying in any third party or into any third party studios or making any third party acquisitions but to the same effect you know a company that's basically worked with Nintendo exclusively um in the past acquiring them isn't you know necessarily acquiring a third party studio this is a Nintendo studio Basically, that's the way that this all comes across is that that's what they just have been their entire, like the entire life of the company. It looked like yeah. at one point in time they did make, um, they did make, um, uh, what was it? They did make actual uh, CAD software um, up until it looks like 2019 when they shut that down. So it looks like they had been doing that since the eighties as well. So whatever their technology is that they use to help with making Nintendo games, it looks like they also had um, CAD software that they probably used in tandem with it, that they then sold separately that necessarily didn't have an impact on anything Nintendo related, but even so it is still a, you know, it's cool that at least Nintendo is finally realizing to embrace them. But yeah, looking at the list of games that they've helped on through the entire life, it's like, why haven't they owned them in the first place? I mean, hell, the Nintendo Wiki, the Nintendo Fandom Wiki here says, um, uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, did I see it there? Yeah. There's no capital relationship between the company and Nintendo, although their Kyoto office is inside the Nintendo Development Center. They literally are a Nintendo, oh. a Nintendo company already, based on that part. Because obviously Nintendo's not just like, hey, just make our stuff for us you know it's it it actually had some sort of financial thing going on between both sides so i'm just saying though that okay good for you guys taking in one of your first party devs already you know good for you now those guys don't have to go to the nintendo building to go to work they're just going to work yeah no kidding now it's like i'm going to the i'm going to the uh my office at nintendo it's like now i'm just going to my office yeah it's just it's it's funny just to think that but okay, good job Nintendo for doing the bare minimum on acquisitions. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I, buy like EA I said, next. This, this is th- this is exactly like when Devolver picked up Crow Team. I mean, they they Crow Team has basically only worked with Devolver. Uh, I think Devolver's um, been the only one to ever publish a Crow Team game. So it just kind of made sense when the the purchase happened it was like oh you guys didn't own them already <laughs> it's just funny that's all it's just like yeah it's for some of these companies why something like that happens but yeah. I, I don't know i don't have any control over you it just kind of look at nintendo and go wait they they were there you didn't own them already uh, okay they've whatever. been there they've been there and helped you you know revitalize the entire video game industry as we know it and have been there since and now you're only just buying them what gives i don't know that's that's all nintendo's thing so good for them i guess to continue on with acquiring congratulations srd you no longer have to lease your office space from nintendo (laughs) nintendo now owns you yeah i have already 40 years so uh right but that is it in the world of video game news then or at least what we reported on here for the week i'm sure there's other stories we missed out on but of course These are the ones we wanted to focus on, and these are the ones that we wanted to provide our opinion on. So with that, that is it for the news roundup for the week of February 26, 2022. Of course, with everything we do, our big thing is the podcast. So be sure to go check out our podcast, uh, all of our past content, all of our 
uh, upcoming content as well, too. You know, it's over on anchor.fm slash the dash NPCs dash podcast. All the links to the different podcast platforms we are supported on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and more are all on there. We do have a new episode of the NPCs Discuss coming up this next Thursday, talking about controversies in video gaming, more specifically talking about how controversies are handled uh, from games themselves or controversy for the sake of controversy. It's a great episode. It is a long episode, uh, but it is definitely a big one that probably needed to be talked about. So be on the lookout for that episode. But of course, also go back and again, look at our past catalog of uh, all the other different things we've talked about and uh, different things we've gone over. Uh, with that, though, too, of course, you're watching us here on YouTube. Be sure to go hit the uh, subscribe button and notification bell so you know when we do go live. We publish any content, any of that fun stuff, so you know there. And, of course, check us out on social media on Facebook and Twitter at The NPCs Podcast. With that, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. Laters. <laughs>